Welcome to the Michael Yu Podcast. We have a very special guest today, Jay McKinnis from our downtown office at Oakland Realty. Jay, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah, thank you for being a part of our pod today. Jay is, um, just give us a little background on yourself, Jay. I am Jay McKinnis. I am, as he said, a realtor in the downtown office. I've been in the Vancouver real estate market for t- almost 11 years. Wow. I'm getting old. Yes. <laughs> Those wrinkles. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. So you started as a fairly young realtor then, Jay. Why don't you tell us your story about kind of the, the beginnings? I started in the pre-sale market. So I started okay. with a company at the time that was called Platinum Project Marketing, which is now Magnum Projects. And I was a sales coordinator. So while I was getting licensed to sell real estate, I took the one job I could at that time that you didn't require a license, but mm-hmm. to be on the ground kind of running, if you will. So I did that for a year with them when I was 27. And then I got licensed the end of 2007 uh, to sell resale. And my goal was get licensed, do that. In the meantime, uh, get licensed. Once I get licensed, go off and do this thing. So I kind of finished there in, I think, April 08, mm-hmm. um, paid off my last credit card payment <laughs> to bring me to flat broke, okay, and then perfect. I uh, quit, and I got into this. So you worked your way up to zero. Yes, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Very honorable. Uh, yes. That's fantastic. So obviously you started in pre-sale. How was working in pre-sale? How was being a, mar- uh, a sales coordinator at a development company? It was good. I was basically the liaison between the our contract writers, so the actual agents in house, yeah. and the uh, and the developer. So they would back then the lineups would come and they would sign in on uh, sign all the contracts, and then they would be handed to me, and I would basically clarify the contracts, making sure nothing was missed, and um, be the coordinator between the developer uh, representative and the sales manager to make sure nothing was missed on any of the actual contracts. Okay. Uh, and then keep all the the buyers agents informed of their uh, rescission periods and the amendments to disclosure and all that stuff. So okay. it was kind of a I don't know how you'd say uh, it wasn't a sales position though mm-hmm. it was called that. Um, it was kind of just a glorified housekeeping yeah. <laughs> position. But it was good because it gave me the the reality of, of what it all looks like, what the contracts actually look like, because they didn't teach you too much of that back then. Mm-hmm. As you would know, um, in the actual course. Yeah. Um, and so it was a very good kind of introduction to real estate for sure. And but, those guys did a lot of nice projects. And George Wong obviously does, does his thing. So And his sister, Lily. So they were very good people to be around and learn from. Yeah, sometimes it's great to just be surrounded with, uh, you know, people like, so George Wong and Lily uh, uh, yeah. um own uh, Platinum Project Marketing, uh, or were owning Platinum Project Marketing, and now they own uh, Magnum Projects, and they do a lot of uh, work for, for big developers in Vancouver, selling tower sites. So it's really interesting. Um, Jay's our second guest that we've had um, that started in developments before branching into resale. So did you always know that you wanted to go into resale, or was it? Uh, yes, the only reason I went that road is because it was the only thing at the time I could get dealing with real estate actually hands-on but not being licensed yet right so that was kind of the only value for that but in hindsight it was amazing because being around those people and that aspect of the business was very insightful to say the least yeah so why did you get started in real estate what was the inspiration I'd always done kind of customer service based things 
I've got a diploma of hospitality management way back. I wanted to own a bar. That was what stimulated that. Oh, really? That. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. So I, I... Did you watch Cheers a lot? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, so that... kind of like Woody. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, that was the starting point to, to go into that line of school. Um, once I did that school, I realized that's definitely not something I wanted to do. I did that in, in Australia. And, um, sorry get closer here and then um, it all kind of everything I've done since then stemmed around either customer relations marketing and sales mm -hmm. so right before real estate I worked for uh, TELUS selling cell phones okay and kind of hit the fork in the road saying if I'm gonna sell something I might as well sell something that's so did valuable someone, did someone give you like sagely advice or was it just like you no my you dad built houses so he was a contractor okay. so I was always around that and I I understood it I worked on job sites growing up and and all every summer and all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. so I understood how houses actually worked and were put together right uh, it was either this or the um, the stock market okay and I interviewed some family friends that were in that line of work and interviewed some family friends that were in this line of work and it just reclarified that there were definitely opportunities in real estate and I already had a foundation of knowledge there so it was yeah. kind of the easier step so your your family has been in the real estate business for you know, all building. Yeah, from the building side for mm -hmm. ever, as long as I've been here. So were you on like so you were working on job sites, you were working like yeah. yeah? So we I only the actual building side of it, I only kinda got into the, the, the basics and then like assisting framers and, and all okay. that sort of stuff. Um, but being there and being around obviously my dad on site and mm -hmm. hearing the conversations and seeing what he was doing and running multiple sites at a time and dealing with the foreman of each site and the trades and all that, it yeah. kinda you get an idea of how like the steps involved in the process of building and what it what it takes and all that. So that was kind of my introductory to I guess the real estate fundamentals, yeah. if you will. And then I feel gives me a definitely an edge uh, of knowing actually what it takes to to put these houses together and totally. what's in the walls and how it all forms and all that. I worked um, so one of the most valuable jobs I had growing up was I, I worked. Um, at a demolition company <laughs> yep. so as like a like as a as a, a grunt just yep. like hauling drywall from like one spot to a, one bin to another bin yeah i think like it, gi it gives you a great appreciation for what we get to do now oh, of course. and so like um they say like happiness is like um expectation minus reality or something like that and so like i had very low expectations for myself so i'm pretty happy <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> yeah so, no that's yeah, good that's great so jay obviously starting in pre-sales and then kind of going out how's your business evolved so like take us through the the, the evolution of, of jay's uh, real estate business when i started i Basically, on my f it was my first or second deal uh, was a was a guy I worked with at at uh, Telus, and um, we bought a place with him. And I met his mortgage broker, mm -hmm. and his mortgage broker worked at RBC. And his mortgage broker was new to brokerage, but had worked at RBC as a planner and stuff for a handful of years already. So we sat down after that deal, and we're kind of like, this we're both new. Um, let's try and do something together here. So basically he had contacts in all the branches in downtown Vancouver here right. already from his past experience and said, well, let's set up appointment like meetings with all the financial planners um, oh, wow. in the branches and we'll do like a presentation. You be the real estate guy, I'll be the mortgage guy mm -hmm. and we'll kind of keep them informed and try and build the business that way. Cause at yeah. the time I assume it's still the same, but they had kind of prerequisites monthly of, 
how many mortgages they sent off their desk, how many lines of credit, and, and all yeah. this sort of stuff. So we kind of looked at that as a as a possible residual flow of business coming over. If we can get in with those guys, then when they need to fund mortgages, they would send it out to us because we were kind of the top of mind. Right. So that worked really well, and the focus was uh, first-time buyers. Mm-hmm. Being 27, well, just 28 yeah, at that time. I remember your ad campaign for that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it was like a street sign almost. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So ahead. it was, um, being young, I didn't have a lot of, I don't want to say not a lot of confidence, but a lot of, uh, I knew that I was new and mm-hmm. that there was a lot to know uh, that I didn't yet because, again, the prerequisite kind of course and everything doesn't teach you anything. Mm-hmm. of the day-to-day. So I had that in my mind that if I was to try and target kind of higher-end people, A, people my parents' age that had the money already had decades of experience with other agents, yeah. and B, it would be a lot easier to tap into people my own age, and they were obviously first-time buyers in that right. realm, uh, to get the ball rolling. So I basically focused on that. 08 issue happened, um, and basically everyone what was... Issue? Well, the whole economic yeah. U.S. thing. Right. So obviously not a huge... Uh, it obviously changed things here, but it wasn't mm-hmm. as severe as there. But at that time, a lot of the, the older agents were like, you know, you're getting in at the wrong time. And <laughs> it, it was amazing. Right. And now it's done and, and get out while you can. And basically, I focused on first time buyers. And from their perspective, they were pre-approved. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had their money. They didn't really have any perspective of the market per se. Right. Um, because they hadn't been educated yet on what was what. And all the prices just dropped. Yeah. So it was kind of perfect world for them. For the first so, time home buyer to get in. Yeah. So they weren't jaded yet. They weren't anything like that. They were looking and the prices started to soften and it's turned into a buyer's market. So it was kind of perfect world for them. Yeah. So we kind of, I took that and we, with my mortgage broker guy and we kind of went forward and worked that angle. Awesome. And it was, yeah, that was the kind of the start. Yeah. And then? From there, it's kind of, the goal has been as of late, kind of the last two years is really uh, go back and and service past clients. Mm-hmm. I got very much as I think most people do wrapped up in the whole, okay, this deal's done, we got to find the next client, mm-hmm. and cold lead, cold lead, cold lead, and build that way, and kind of neglecting, um, not neglecting, always keeping people in the loop, but not right. as much as I should have. I feel, mm-hmm. um, and staying in touch with those past clients. So it's really kind of turned into. What can I not just be the best agent I can for that deal, but mm-hmm. be the best continuing agent for the people that I've worked with? Right. So it's really coming, kind of come almost full circle from like, okay, these guys are good. They got a good deal. The transaction is safe and complete. They're yeah. happy. On to the next one. To that's great. They're now obviously in in the database, and my job definitely hasn't finished now. It's it's a it's about kind of moving them forward and keeping them in the loop as things change in the market. So being going from a transactional realtor that's just kind of there to do the sale to being one that, you know, is a resource. A hundred percent. Yeah, is yeah. kind of a, a a valued member of their team type of thing. Um, I think is 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 really the new trend because people have a lot of questions about real estate all the time. And they, they want someone to be able to turn to that has an insider's uh, approach at it. And, and Jay is super informed on the market. Um, so it's, it's great to kind of have some uh, of those um, to have some of those uh, opinions when, when you have a question like what is actually going on in the you know, like in the field. So, yeah, and that's that's I, I really started honing in on that once, of course. 
joining you. Okay. <laughs> Fine, ladies and gentlemen here. But um, that's the direction it's gone, and I think that's the most sustainable approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving forward, that's kind of the, the goal. So now trying to build a team under or beside me, with me, to, to continue that and, and grow the business that way. Yeah. With that you- fundamental in mind. Yeah, what what you hear a lot from top producing realtors, um, you know, when you really when you ask them like, well, so how do you get most of your business? And it's kind of cliche. Everyone says like referral, past relationships, and stuff like that. And you know, it is cliche, but it's like totally, totally true. That's why I believe in all stereotypes about every race. And no, I'm just <laughs> I believe in all like, but for all the uh, uh, you know, for all the the business uh, you know that that's out there, you know, once you already have. Uh, built that trust with the client and um, and uh, it's it just it just that that easy rapport it, it just makes life a lot easier for your business so really um, you would probably say the hardest part is really just the getting started right Jay for sure because you don't know where to start what angle to go and you're kind yeah. of thrown in and scattered in all different directions mm-hmm. you've got in most cases very limited resources financially at least I did mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like all you have is time so right. how are you spending that time? And it's very hard to know from the start. So that's mm-hmm. definitely the hardest. Once you get some momentum behind you, that's a, a different story. You can take that however you want and roll in, in a variety of different directions. But that's, yeah, getting started is. So if you were to cool. tell like the, the, you know, the 27 year old Jay that just got started in real estate, like you give him a piece of advice, what would you give him? Find a team. Find oh, a team really? to join, hundred percent. Yeah, because you you don't know what you don't know. Okay. And you know nothing when you mm-hmm. join the business if you haven't had any tie to the business before. Right. Um, I was going through the prequel, like the, the the course to get licensed. You hear all the stuff, and you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't do anything. I'm gonna get sued. Everything <laughs> like is yeah. it, there's so many rules. Um, there's fines and all this. So my hundred, and I tell new people at the, at the office uh, this all the time is the best place to start I would suggest is find people who are running business like you want mm-hmm. and just try and get in with, with them, with right. the team because we'll say arrogantly I was like well I'm going to do this myself, I can do yeah. this and I got, I've got i got my license now and I, I get it and I can do this and you try and go and build it and you just grind your way through and that's fine, it's work mm-hmm. but I could have saved years by just dropping the arrogance day one and saying, let me just join a team for 350, 700 days and just learn, Mm -hmm. even like for free, do what I'm doing on the side, but like dedicate time to something like that and such a valuable resource of someone that's already doing it. So you can just really fast track your So would you say that, you know, you mentioned a word, arrogance. Do do you, (laughs) is that something that's like limited you in the past or? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just thinking, I can do this myself. Right. I know. You, you just anyone on any level, you just don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, definitely. And as of, we won't go into extreme detail. <laughs> but Why yes, I, I, <laughs> this is a pod. I think um, coming again, ch- the change I've made in, in my business fundamentally, which was changing companies mm-hmm. uh, a year ago. Mm-hmm. A year and a bit now, maybe. Yeah, a year, just over a year. Really, kind of put perspective on with the agents that I'm around now. Mm-hmm. Um, very humbling to see kind of the the velocity of business a lot of people are doing, and 
and how open they are and, and all that. And that's, I think, a, a lack of, completely a lack of uh, arrogance and know-all and all that. And it's, and it's all kind of open concept progress and mm -hmm. success and learning. And I think, again, I, just, I can just go back to you don't know what you, you don't know. And unless you're probing constantly, you're, unless you're asking, you're not, unless you're asking, you're not getting. Yeah, I think, um, you know, having that, um, you, know, you know, it's really interesting. I forget, it's, it must be like Hamlet or Macbeth or something. And, you know, you're on your own with this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> basically it's, uh, you know, it's about like knowing yourself and uh, self-awareness. Yeah, being 100%. very self-aware of, you know, your limitations, your blind spots, the things that kind of get in your own way. Um, so everyone has something, you know, for, for myself, it's like, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm like more of a cowardly type. I am like very, like, I need to like be brave because I'm kind of like a, if, if I was to fight or flight, I would be flighting. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I have yeah, like no, this, fair enough. Uh, so that's kind of, uh, you know, my, my go-to. And so, you know, um, I had to really be self-aware when, especially when I first got started and you got to expose yourself and be vulnerable to a lot of people. Um, when you're when you're um, starting a business so like you kind of have to overcome these things and some people have challenges that they need to overcome and what I find especially when coaching with a lot of uh, working with a lot of agents and a lot of business people is there's like something that's mentally blocking them from from getting there so maybe it's like okay thinking that you have it all figured out and not humbling yourself to you know potentially you know uh, learn from others or something like that or being open-minded or it could be anything and so everyone always has something and always it's strange it always comes from somewhere it always like yeah. comes from somewhere in childhood or something like that yeah I think in this business too people and I see it all the time doing deals with like new agents and from other other brokerages and you're like they're very like hostile but everyone's everyone's very quick to jump to the front line of like I know everything what I'm doing is the right way to do it so on and so forth and and you just see it all the time like I don't know why in this business like everyone thinks okay I got a real estate license so I need to go get a Mercedes and I need to like buy yeah. a shiny suit and I need to look that part like I see on TV and you can do that but you have to understand that that doesn't make you a successful agent by any means it's, right it's what your clients say about you right yeah. behind closed doors at the end of the day mm -hmm. so it's a lot of self-awareness i think is huge and knowing that like it's everyone starts somewhere it's not sure. you don't start a 50 year old professional you start new young or old or whatever mm -hmm. but just take that for what it is and just yeah open open your mouth ask ask as many questions as you can and lose mm -hmm. any any level of oh i i know it all and there's there's really no stupid question because mm -hmm. there's a lot on the line for your your clients financially for your reputation, moving moving your clients forward, keeping people informed with the right information mm -hmm. and all that. You know, something that I noticed about Jay's business is that he's never um, been shy to be bold with his marketing and, and be kind of out there with your marketing. So do you want to share a little bit about, um, like, one, how you market yourself, and two, how you market your properties that you, that you list? We try and do... Um, all the traditional stuff, obviously, just put it on MLS, do opens and, and do agents opens and public opens and, and all that. But tr the way things are going, we do a lot of kind of traditional and print stuff consistently to keep uh, people in our um, our farm informed about mm -hmm. what's going on, not only with us, but with, with the market for with updates. And then 
we lean lately. We've got those consistencies like mail and all that there, which we've always done, but we've leaned a lot lately into the whole digital thing. So we do a weekly podcast as well. Uh, We do weekly video, uh, weekly videos on YouTube, which is um, kind of, they're all update videos. They're for our clients, basically new topics, new uh, scenarios, changes in the market, what, what our thoughts are. Um, obviously all the social media platforms as well, we try and stay as relevant because I think it's an easy way for us to get across and to all of our clients mm-hmm. and it's an easy, I, I think it's a huge prerequisite that people have now that they expect a realtor to be everywhere. Right. And if they're getting your flyer in the mail, that's great. If they wanna Google your name, that's great, but they need kind of real life contact and I think with so many agents now for us the more of us we can put out there for people to pre-qualify us before they call and sit down so they kind of know who we are the better I'm not going to obviously work for everyone Mm -hmm. Um, there's always personality clashes and and personality mixes that work and don't so the more I can put out the more kind of streamlined I can make my life and potential clients life as well you kind of when you if you listen to our podcast and if you listen to or watch our videos um, or follow any of the social, you, I think you have a pretty good idea of who I am. Yeah. Family and what we do every day and, and Ben, my partner, and, and how we run the business and what we're doing at Opens and Showings and blah, blah, blah. And it's that, I think, is, is very valuable in assisting the pre-qualification process, which, which it all is. Past clients know who we are already. That's great. Mm-hmm. They've worked with us, and we keep informing them. But new clients, we want uh, them to know firsthand so we're not wasting anyone's time or expectation for sure jay is actually uh was the was one of the big big inspirations for us to actually do a podcast because jay did his podcast (laughs) and i was like wow and i listen i listen uh to jay's podcast every week it's um it's a different type of format so jay like what's the title of your podcast and like what's it all about um we so the podcast um the Vancouver Real Estate Audio Experience is what I've called it. <laughs> nice. It's probably too long, but that's it. And my face is is the the cover image, I guess you call it. Um, he calls it the money maker. <laughs> <laughs> Fading quickly, but yeah. Um, we discuss again all real estate topics, so it's not like this. It's kind of we should do more of this now that it, like one on one. Um, I think it's very valuable. It started out basically on topics uh, about the market, mm-hmm. about things sellers can look out for, things buyers can look out for, right. and kind of a tips thing. Uh, and then it's now kind of turned, now that I've got a, a business partner now, um, Ben Robinson, who will be listening to this, <laughs> waiting for his name to be called out. Yeah. So we basically go back and forth now, and I think that's a better dynamic with us kind of questioning and going back and forth. There's a little banter between us, which again shows a bit more personality, but picking topics every week that our clients would want to hear about. Right. So for example, this coming week, uh, marijuana is now legal. So different aspects of what that's gonna mean to real estate buyers and sellers. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of premise to it. Um, again, another avenue if our I feel everyone everyone picks their own medias. If you're the type of person that reads the newspaper every day, then right. that's where I need to be. If you're the type of person that listens to a podcast, that's where I need to be. So we're targeting those people that care to plow through media mm-hmm. audio. 
with the podcast and then basically how I do it is we've got a basic topic every week so right. and we'll, we'll do that through the podcast through the blog which is at mckinnismarketing.com mm-hmm. and through uh, the YouTube channel the weekly channel there which is again YouTube slash mckinnismarketing.com awesome. so if you prefer to watch video then we've got you covered there if you prefer just to read we've got you covered and if you prefer just to listen we've got you covered that's awesome, you know, having that kind of holistic approach with all the all the channels. How do, how do you think technology is going to affect our business? Substantially, I think it already has, and I think it's I think it technology always like for us. There's if I want to be all those places, that's time or right. money, of course. Mm-hmm. So it it's a cost in one of those two things. But for the for the client, it's a huge benefit. I think yeah. technology. Yes, you can say that we we are we can be in more places, so that helps. But those places don't matter if there isn't ears and eyes mm-hmm. watching and listening. So for the clients, I think it's uh, assisting them more and more again yeah. with pre-qualification and, and information. Mm-hmm. They can get it faster. They can get to the bottom of things easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all. Transparency is all as much humming and hawing as you hear about new rules and transparency and all that because it makes right. the day to day maybe a little bit slower. It's just a hundred percent better at the end of the day for the people that are the most important, which is the buyers and sellers, the clients, because yeah, they're I, what keep the world going, of course. Absolutely, like I, I, I'm really excited. I think we're on the precipice of like, uh, like a new, uh, obviously like a new age. Like when Jay and I were growing up, like no computers, no mm-hmm. cell phones, none of that stuff. And how, uh, and how it's, it's changing our business is, is really fascinating to me. And I really want to embrace it and just really kind of drive that change. I think, you know, it, it's going to be um, like a symbiotic relationship between. Like, this is what I think it's going to be. I don't know for sure. No, there's no crystal ball, but all the transparency. I, like I love all the transparency that's happening. A lot of agents are against the transparency that the, that they're really pushing for. Like for example, revealing sold prices and uh, revealing all the listing information and as soon as uh, realtors can get it. I think that that's all fair and good. I think that it's great um, for the public to have all that information for them to to uh, to be able to absorb but really it's how to translate that data translate that information and how is it going to work for you specifically um, and uh, like Jay was talking about um, really showcasing the product uh, or the the property or the home in its best light possible to, to have the best desired results and really focusing on fantastic negotiations and and great marketing I think that that's really where uh, we're trending towards? Well, all of it comes down to, at the end of the day, as, a, as an agent, you want to have completed a sale knowing that whoever you're representing, the buyer or the seller, everyone, you, let's say as a listing agent, your seller, the buyer of that property and their agent, everyone is on the same page. You pay right. this price, we're happy with that, we're happy with these dates, we're happy with these, you you wanted these subjects for your peace of mind, you got them, you've removed them. So all that this progressive uh, technology is doing is removing barriers to information. And yeah. I, I see, I hear the same thing as you, obviously, that a lot of certain agents are, are uh, I don't like it, it's different, it's change. Uh, and they may be hiding behind that and leveraging mm-hmm. the lack of information to the public to their benefit by they can then package and deliver that. Right. But at the end of the day, it's if everyone's on the same page and everyone is inf- as informed as the other, no one's being taken advantage of. Everything's at arm's length. It's mm-hmm. just life is just a lot easier. Yeah, it and is. And less stressful, especially when there's so much 
stress involved in these circumstances for both buyers and sellers because there's so much on the line and time frames and everything. So yeah. I think it's I, all of that I think is needed and it, it will progress. And I kind of always think uh, if, if there's any hesitation in my mind about uh, how's this going to, how's this change going to be better or, or worse, I kind of always jump back to thinking of the kind of very senior age-wise agents um, of, oh, well, that internet, that, that messed everything up and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, and whenever I, I picture myself as kind of roadblocking myself to new information, right. it, it's kind of like, okay, you're being the old guy, stop, yeah. <laughs> embrace and, and go. Is that weird to think like, you know, you know Jay and I started right around the same time and now we're kind of considered... Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, the old, the old folk. Well, now, <laughs> oh god. Yeah, to some degree, you know, doing it. I was uh, talking to Morgan, who we've had on the podcast before. It was like we're not. I still feel like a kid, but like I, uh, you know, we've been doing it for like t- 10, 12, 13, 14 years now. So it's not mm-hmm. like we're not like spry chickens anymore. <laughs> no, and there's yeah. definitely people older, but if you yeah. look at the trend and obviously how many agents there are now, we're not in the the entry level age yeah. by any means. So it's funny just to just to really put some perspective on it. Um, it's interesting because Jay is what we call a career agent. He basically started as a as an agent in his in his early life. He wasn't transitioning from something else. He really wanted to to take it on as a as a full time career from the get go, which is which is really fantastic. So, but he has now you know obviously having all that tenure is is fantastic. So. Um, if you don't mind, Jay, so I would love to know like a day in the life of Jay. You know, Jay's really active on on social media, Instagram. What's your Instagram handle again? It's- I am Jay McInnes. So let me ask you a quick. So Jay, does is Jay short for something, or is that your full name? That's legal. That's legal. J A Y. Parents are lazy. <laughs> One syllable. That's yeah. it. Okay, so I am Jay McInnes is his uh, Instagram handle, and he kind of like he he shares his stories through his day but i love to hear like your your normal like monday like what is this like a full day look like for jay start with i woke up <laughs> okay the alarm is set for 5:45 wow okay i get up at 6 um straight to the gym to get that out of the way i have two kids and a wife and i never went to the gym in the morning and then i would always find myself at the end of the day thinking the kids are going to go to bed soon my wife's going to go to bed soon. She's got her own business and she's busy as well. So she gets up early and, and, and whatever. Um, and now I have to go to the gym. So I feel guilty about A, either not going to the gym for myself or right. B, leaving while I only have a few hours after work with the kids and wife before they go to bed. Yeah. So I was like, okay, hey, forget it. I'm going to stop being lazy. I'm going to go in the morning, get out of the way before everyone's asleep, awake. So I get up six, I'm an hour, get home at seven whatever, 7.15 to 7.30 usually, right. make the kids lunches, everyone's still asleep. They usually start getting up at like 7.30 to 7.45. Okay. Make the lunches, make breakfast for everyone. So they get up and that's ready. And then um, there's the mad family rush yeah. that everyone knows, getting the kids fed and clothes and <clears throat> teeth and then off to school and then the wife to work and then I jump to the office. So Ben, my partner, is there, usually eight something, so he's there before me. Get in and kind of recap. On a Monday, we'll do um, touch base with all our sellers, mm-hmm. how the weekend or how the past week went, if they did or didn't have agents opens or public opens, uh, what sort of activity we had on their listings. Um, and so that's either ideally a phone call um, 
if, if we can't get a hold of them, obviously, or if they've said it's just email. So we like to keep people informed every seven days right. unless there's some urgent stuff going on that they need to know about right away. Yeah. Um, so do the update first thing. Then it's kind of getting all the media for the week ready unless mm-hmm. there's any urgent showings or bookings that we need to get done. Um, so we've got the topic for the week that we're going to do. And because the videos take the longest to edit, we try and do those either Monday or Tuesday. Yep. Um, so we will... Gotta fix that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll um, usually get the, get the video topic going and, and do that. Um, make the video, get the, the blog done, get the, cut the podcast like this out of the video mm-hmm. uh, audio and go from there. Any new updates or anything like that for new listings or buyers for the week ahead, uh, we get lined up. So for meetings or anything like that, we have, uh, if there's any pending presentations we need to do, what we also do is send out uh, quarterly kind of mini market updates to all of our past clients. Right. So that would fall on a Monday, whenever that is. So we've got all those kind of mini CMAs uh, done. We do a phone call direct, and then we send a send a package if they're not in town, uh, if they're an email, or if it needs to be a bit more detailed or a bit closer to possibly mm-hmm. selling. We'll send them an actual physical CMA package out if they're not in town. So from there, it's 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 basically creating the media that we're going to do for the week to to keep our clients and new prospective clients informed keeping our current clients up to date on what the week past has done and then pushing forward on any uh, obviously booking opens and stuff for the following week so right. agents uh, know up front what all that stuff is coming and then a lot of the time we bring listings on on Mondays mm-hmm. um, so just to start so it's got a week before the first open house um, time to kind of marinate in the market so we'll bring any new listings out that we have uh, on that Monday and update all the uh, all the media for that through all the channels and like MLS. a lot of marketing work. Yes. Yeah. So I've got Ben now, who I work with, that assists with that heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, so by myself, that was kind of almost a full-time job. Yeah. So uh, just to get that content out, and then obviously if there's all the mail, and we mail yeah. out every 30 days to mm-hmm. our farm, so that sort of stuff, and what's going to be on the mailer, so a lot of marketing. Wow, so you, you probably spend, like, what percentage would you say of your of your working time on marketing? 60. 60, wow, that's 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 pretty, that's I'm, substantial. I'm, yeah, so I'm, I'm the, the always the most, the best feedback we get in regards to trying to be listings heavy right. is keeping our past clients informed, yeah. um, and then keeping them informed of where their property currently sits value-wise in the market yeah. compared to where they bought, what their plans are if they want to make a move. Mm-hmm. Um, if they do or don't right away, keep them obviously informed of that. That's awesome. Are they, um, do they know anyone that's interested in, in possibly making a move that we could additionally keep informed? Right. And then that's the most, I'd say, stable part mm-hmm. of, of new business, not new business, warm business for us. Um, but I'm scared to let up on the cold business attack, right. which is the marketing, of course. And yeah. f- I mean, 50-50, people, keeping people informed through these different channels, but trying to get new clients always. So yeah. I try and keep very heavy with 
the marketing stuff always out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You know what the you know the it's we always it's really interesting. We always kind of go back to what we're comfortable with. I think for the most part, like everyone always defaults into their comfort level, and um, and then you know obviously having that that that's that's amazing doing that much marketing for for your listings and to your past clients and then working working at that. That's that's fantastic. For myself, I probably like um, everyone's a little bit different, but I just meet people all day. Like, <laughs> I, I need to, like- I need to roll. Out. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I'm, I, yeah. I always, I always have. I'm self conscious about spending so much time in the office as yeah. well. And yes, it's to create these pieces that go out into the world. But right. at the end of the day. I think your approach approach is more economical. I need to I need to work <laughs> yeah. towards being kind yeah. of out and about out of the office more because at the end of the day you need to get in front of people and they need to want you to be that comfortable point for yeah. as a real estate resource mm-hmm. and it all comes down to living breathing people at the end of the day. So yeah. Well, you know what? There's a there's certainly there's probably a good balance between the two because basically, <laughs> like I had a sales coach like a long long time ago. Um, he's a fantastic guy, but he was very, very crude. And maybe it was just, he was like mirroring like what I needed. Cause you know, I think like Chinese people, they need to be like disciplined hard. <laughs> well, Jay has, Jay, your wife is, ha- is full, uh, half Japanese. half Japanese. So the half of her needs to be like disciplined hard. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so maybe he took to that, but he ba- like my old sales coach would say like, um, anyone ask you about anything? book a meeting with them immediately. Like, no, like, it should be a knee-jerk reaction. The Every time anyone asks you about anything, it's like, book an appointment, book an appointment, book an appointment. So, like, you know, someone will be like, hey, how's the market? I'd be like, I would love to meet with you to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and instead of, like, yeah, I'll send you some information about the market. And, and so, like, um, it was just, you know, so it's almost been ingrained in me. It's been, like, I'm, like, traumatized <laughs> to, like, book appointments all the time. Yeah. But I think that's good in the sense that you, there's so much, we'll call it passive information out there mm-hmm. that like you can do a blog, for example, and that can be the passive information. Don't dedicate your own time to delivering passive information right. that isn't pinpointed to like, why are you needs. asking about the market? Yeah. Are you thinking of doing something? Can, right. How can I be of assistance at the next level? Yeah. So the passive information can be left for like, all that marketing stuff. I should probably use less of my own hours and more of Ben's hours to get the marketing <laughs> stuff out so I can get to the point like you do. But I think that makes, I think, again, it's it's saving everyone time. If they actually want passive information, you can Google anything. You can, again, video, audio, mm-hmm. or, or written word. You can find it anywhere in abundance, especially about goddamn Vancouver real estate. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's a very... Yeah. good thing to have ingrained and I, you know I find it's it's really interesting I think people are so used to like digital communication right now it's kind of I, I just love meeting people I love like learning about their lives and you know you know figuring out what makes them tick and you know and just like it's just for me that I, I'm really interested in the humanities I study like social sciences in um, in university what did you study Jay? you just studied hospitality I did a diploma of hospitality management and I got my <laughs> scuba diving instructor certificate oh really those are my like we'll call them formal education scuba points. diving so was it full wetsuit or were you in a speedo <laughs> <laughs> full dry suit okay. I learned in in um Vancouver, the the colder it is, the less algae and plankton and all that sort of stuff right. is in the water, so it's clearer. So when I learned um, the prerequisite at the time, I would assume it's similar, was 100 dives. You had to do 100 dives to get certified and obviously wow. hit certain levels along the way of certification. 
So it, I did it over the winter because it was clear water. Wow. So it was all dry suit, but wet hands and really? head. So it was a lot of numb hands. And How was that? So what inspired you to do scuba diving? It's scuba diving. Yeah. yeah. Again, back like, oh, I want to live on a Caribbean island. Oh, okay. That'd be cool. And I could be a dive instructor and that'd be a fun thing to do. <laughs> so I... How many women do you want to be with? <laughs> I wasn't that guy. There was yeah. a lot of those guys. Yeah, like, I was the on, nice guy. The Caribbean. Like. <laughs> so I did. I did the course. I trained here, um, and then I I took a very short-lived career on the cruise ships. Oh, okay. Doing seven-day cruises around the Hawaiian Islands with Norwegian cruise lines, and the um, the prerequisite to that job was have your. We were dive instructor so obviously wow. you had to be an, an instructor certified but the job title or the job day-to-day was snorkel tour guide yeah so I don't know why they had such a severe prerequisite mm-hmm. achievement we'll call it but uh yeah so we basically took big groups of Americans yeah in snorkel tours around the Hawaiian Islands how many have you lost at sea zero. Oh, zero. You're a hundred percent. hundred percent that job lasted two weeks but oh, yeah. I'm a hundred percent do you still dive do you still go out there no. When was the last time you did that? Five years. Yeah? Yeah. I Five should years. do it a lot more. We were yeah. just in Japan mm-hmm. last week, and we were down in Okinawa, and we, I saw some guys diving. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm jealous of these guys. So, like, like, what's the big payoff for this diving? Is it just to see sea life? Like, or? to go or to yeah. do a career in it? No, no, like, to, to go. To be underwater is a right. totally... Like, you can snorkel and you can go down and you can hold your goddamn breath for 30 yeah. seconds and then come <laughs> sure. up. But to be down there for, like, yeah. half an hour, right. it's it's interesting. You can, like, literally – I would – back when I was getting licensed, there was kind of two little, like, internal battles with everyone. Um, the first was how deep you could go, which is very mm-hmm. stupid because you're only allowed to go to 120 feet, 120 full feet. certified, okay. um, like, advanced open water diver because there can be a lot of issues when you go down. Yeah. Um, Pressure, right? Pressure and how much air you have and you're using and the effects of the air at depth and, mm-hmm. and all that. So one of the, like, I'm going to be a man thing was how deep you went on each mm-hmm. dive, which is very stupid, but everyone lived, so that's how fine. Deep were, how deep was the deepest you've Um 210. 210? Yeah. Wow, that's like the center of the universe. <laughs> it's getting there. A lot, a lot closer yeah. than we are right now. <laughs> okay. So that was very, I'm trying to think how old I was then, 22? Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was that. And the other thing is is how much air you could conserve. So if we were going to go down for a 40-minute dive, who came right. up with the most air left? Okay. So you would really practice like slow. You can never – one of the first things I'll tell you is never hold your breath while diving because if you mm-hmm. hold your breath and you come up, the air expands and you'll blow a lung and blah, blah, blah. Oh, but, wow. Um, Have you ever seen anything that ever happened? Not no. that <clears throat> severe, yeah. no, thankfully. Um, but uh, you really – we would practice like – slow breathing and really like toning down everything mm-hmm. and to see who in efforts would come back with the most air left in their tank. Did you ever like panic down. down there? No. No? I've been around uh, a quick story. We, we do a lot of the diving at Whitecliff Park okay. in West Van. Yep. So one of the times we went for a dive and you're always with a buddy, you're never diving by yourself. <clears throat> one of the guys I was with uh, today, he, he was good. He was relatively comfortable, but he was a bigger guy and he was kind of uncomfortable at times and there's a lot there's a lot of sea life and there's sea lions so they say if you ever see a sea lion which is like the size of a goddamn car right do not blow bubbles that's the one time you you stop moving 
and don't blow because they communicate with bubbles. Oh, okay. So if they see you, yeah. it can be taken the wrong way and then you can have a problem. Right. So we were diving at White Cliff and we were um, coming up what we thought was the side of that island out there, right. but it was another piece of the, the ground below. So we came up to about 60 feet and then the, the ground stopped because mm-hmm. it was just a hump. It wasn't the side of the island. We were about yeah. 50 feet off where we thought we were. So we're sitting there in, in 60 feet decompressing, depending how long you go down for, you have to let your body decompress because right. you've been taking in this this air. And we were sitting there decompressing and a sea lion came and it was about 25 feet away from us and it kind of came up and faced us full length, top to wow. bottom. And the guy I was with, he just starts going crazy. Panicking. Because it, it, it's like a car. Right. And you're sitting there in the middle of water with a hundred percent vulnerable yeah and it was scary as hell and he so he starts going and panicking and kicking and, mm-hmm. and blowing and just bubbles 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 yeah. and and yeah so that was we kind of like were holding on to each other and you oh, got the, no. the dig marks in your arm because yeah. we had to stay there and decompress but this thing's there so and we're 60 feet down so you're yeah. you're you're very vulnerable especially when a circumstance so anyway the the thing went back down into the dark which mm-hmm. is more scary because you now you don't know where it is yeah and Blah, 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 we, we, we live to tell. But, um, yeah, that to go back to your original thing, right. diving, being in that environment and just under calm. Here it's a bit different. You go to, like, the Caribbean, mm-hmm. you go to the Great Barrier Reef and all that. When it's warm, it's a, it's a, it's a much more comfortable circumstance. But yeah. just being down there and forgetting about everything, and it's just a totally different feeling. Than it's a totally different get. environment and, and a like I can imagine, like you know, being in a complete—it's almost like another world, right? It is, and you're you're actually totally, especially these days when we've got these stupid phones connected to us. Yeah. You're actually totally by yourself. Yeah. So like, yeah, you see your your dive buddy and you right. make your signals, but like, if you look away, you don't hear anything except your bubbles. Right. You're you're there by yourself. So it's a very calming environment. In addition to being able to see what the hell's down there, which is pretty. So amazing. be honest. Would, did you ever think um, you were? Like, did you ever pretend you were a merman when you were <laughs> when you were down there? No, it was... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, the majority of the stuff I've done diving was we were in colder water. So right. it was always, uh, only very rarely again when I worked up on the Great Barrier Reef for a, for, mm-hmm. a, for a bit, um, would you dive with, like, just shorts. Right. So that, in that environment, it's a bit more, like... Yeah. You get a bit more merman. movement. You get yeah. a bit more, okay. more mannish, but here you're kind of, feel yeah. like you're in the army. You're just dry suited and totally okay. covering. And so you're like covert ops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like spying and stuff. Yeah, like. no, it was, cool. it's, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. That's like James Bondy, really. Yeah, like, going yeah. like through wrecks and shipwrecks yeah. and all that. It Did was, you actually see any shipwrecks? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's tons along the coast here. And that's one of the prerequisite licenses, wreck diving, that you need to get your, your license. Did you like discover a treasure chest or like? No, but it's very scary. Like it's very yeah. eerie. You're you're because you're only allowed again. How old are some of those boats? Are they like ancient? Or are they like? The, the, the no, there's not some like rich like. No. <laughs> dude, like <laughs> a lot of them. Mr. That, Powell or Mr. The, Howell is the, down there. That we saw were professionally sunk for diving. Oh okay. Um, there's a lot over by Vancouver Island and and all that as well. But you but it's the same thing like. Horizontally and laterally, mm-hmm. you're only allowed, allowed in quotes, to go 120 feet. So like right. if you're down 60 feet, you can only go into the wreck 60 feet. Yeah. So that is always like, and plus you're like going into like bathrooms and there's a toilet right. there and you're like, what the hell, we're like 100 feet underwater and yeah. I'm in a bathroom right now. Like it's very, and obviously you're always scared that something's going to pop around the corner. Right. So it's, it was, yeah, it was interesting. 
So have you always had that sense of adventure? Like, do you have you? Were you an adventurous kid? We always did. Like, yeah, all the kind of sports and extreme sports. And oh, stuff. really? And what like, kind of extreme sports? Well, not extreme, but like skateboarding, skateboarding, and rollerblading, and yeah. But but and then like we had cab- summer cabins up in the forest, so we were always okay. up in the forest and paintballing and and playing all these army games. But mm-hmm. the extreme stuff stops there. Yeah, I was very deathly scared of heights when I started oh, really? real estate, yeah. and I remember I had a, a I held an open house for an agent at my other company you, yeah. for Ian Watt. Right. He had a listing in Brava, high up in Brava. Yeah, and I couldn't even go to like I, it took me the whole two hours to get out onto the balcony yeah. and sit comfortably. I stayed like in the back bedroom with the cat the whole the whole time <laughs> just because I was so really? it, yeah. I'd never been in a condo well, that high. Was there something that happened to you? That, no, no, nothing. Just don't. Never liked it. So that getting into, it's funny to talk about that now actually. Getting into real estate, I, I was like very scared. And obviously you, you mm-hmm. slowly overcome that because we're up pretty high pretty often. Yeah. So did you but do anything yeah. to overcome that? Did you just like keep making No, no, just no. Like just make efforts. Fears. Make efforts to like, yeah. oh, I'm high right now. I should go up to the window and like, right. or look off the balcony. That's right. scary. And, and, and that, it's funny, going back to when I started with the, the mortgage broker, Right. Um, I always think when, to new agents as well, the scariest things are the best things for you. And I tell mm-hmm. my wife this all the time because she's scared of speaking in groups. Yeah. And she, eh, shut up, it doesn't matter, I don't need to do it. It's not something I have right. to do. But like, I, I believe to grow, the scariest things are, are the best things for you. So when we started, we did a lot of presentations to the, the planners and, and all yeah. this. So that was a huge thing for me at the start, getting over a hurdle, doing like, getting afraid of not afraid of heights that's not the end of the world but mm-hmm. like speaking to groups i when going into him we'd be speaking to these groups of bankers yeah so coming into this like oh bankers they deal with money they're smart right. blah 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 so you're i'm who, who the hell am i i'm a new mm-hmm. agent speaking to them on the real estate market um but that was a big thing you're always scared of worst case scenario like door knocking i was always scared of oh is going to tell me to f off and but of course everyone's <laughs> I've never had that. Yeah. It's all this manufactured fear. Right. It's a, it's a, there's a lot of myths. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So you're, you, we, as humans, I think we always default to worst case scenario. Yeah. So like with these presentations we would be doing, I think the biggest presentation I did was in front of like 50. Wow. Of these RBC. They had a monthly morning meeting with a whole bunch of branches and I had my 15 minutes, which was ridiculous to think mm-hmm. back to discuss the market and where the pre-sale market I thought it was going and what the climate of the market was. And this was in like 09. So it had started to start to pick up again. But just speaking in front of those groups was like deathly. The first thing I was like, well, these guys are just going to call me out. They're going to see right through me. They're going to ask some questions. I'm not going to know. I'm going to look like an idiot. There goes all the credibility, which of course never happened. Um, But it's just seeing, getting, I try and look for those scary things and Mm -hmm go past them so it was like door knocking right. or cold calling or speaking in front of groups and that this business is obviously there's a lot of those in front of you yeah. and I find a lot of new agents hide behind social media because like oh I did my work today I marketed because I posted about a listing or yeah. or whatever and even though we do a lot of it um, you have to do the actual stuff like you're saying mm-hmm. as well like get face to face with people yeah you know it's really interesting the the um, you know, when you stretch yourself, when you put yourself in a, like a vulnerable position, that's when there's the most room for growth. It's kind of well, like your human body, yeah. you know, like when you're, they say like you only grow in the last, like last repetition that you do when it actually gets hard. 
Um, and Muhammad Ali used to say, I, you know, like how many repetitions, how many pushups do you do? And he's like, I only count the ones when it hurts. Like, and yeah, so like hundred percent. And I think there, there's some, there's some aspects of, of that, especially when in, in business, you know, the scary things are the ones that are typically the most fruitful, um, activities. So like public speaking, for example, they say it's as, uh, it's as, um, fear like human beings fear public speaking as much as death or something in many yeah. cases it's more than death which is kind of i don't fear either but <laughs> i i did you know I, I of course i had um those those feelings before um you know but um i always take a really pragmatic practical approach like um i always set my expectations very low so for example even when we started doing this podcast i'm like no one's gonna listen to this podcast nobody no one's gonna listen to this podcast and like hundreds of people listen to this podcast I'm like oh, this is crazy 100 people listen to this podcast and then people are like telling talking to me they're texting me they're calling me they're saying hey i listen to your pod it's really cool yeah, yeah. and i always ask for the negative feedback because i want to know what's wrong with it yeah. and then like the, the sound quality sucks like yeah. you uh say the same words too much like i say interesting too much which is like i hate that word because i think interesting is a very dismissive word it's like oh that's interesting yeah, next yeah, yeah. topic like yeah <laughs> and so you know i'm trying to like improve and get better so i take a really practical approach i just expect that i'm gonna be terrible that i'm gonna suck that i'm awful and then like anything that i do that's uh, incrementally better than awful then you're good to is go. like is like wow fantastic and so it's yeah fully agree like with my my wife owns a spa yeah so what's when, the what's your wife's spa name it's called prep beauty parlor prep beauty parlor yeah and Plug that's and it prep. that's a drake, drake and berard in downtown vancouver cool um when she started in 2010 we started in like a live work townhouse because it was very safe we could yeah. live upstairs do the business downstairs it was a bigger rent than we were paying um but we're like we can run the business if we can just make up the difference it's fine right so then we turn she turned that into I don't know. She when we le- when she left there, there was I think eight staff members by the time it was done, and, oh and it was going well. And then we're like, hey, well, we're going to get an actual storefront, and it's the same thing. We're like, hey, well, we want to do it because that's going to bring us to the next level, and it's going to give us more space on one level. Um, well, what's the downside? Obviously, a, a dramatically larger monthly overhead cost. Right. The, the cost of building it out. Um, we've got to staff it with more people. We've got to double the staff, and like. Obviously, we need as many clients as possible. So it was the same thing. And basically, at the end of the day, we said, everything's smooth and easy and good now. We can mm-hmm. just keep this going. Or we can take that those risks. And re- it, it was kind of stupid looking back. It, the, the conversation was literally, the worst case scenario is all we're going to do is file bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty exactly. bad. Yeah. But it was like we, we had kids by that point. And right. it was like, well, no. It, Literally, our conversation was the worst case scenario is we're going to file bankruptcy. It's not like anyone's going to die. Right. I don't know if that's a little too extreme, but it was kind of like that's what we, the risk is the risk. Yeah. There's no reward without it. Mm-hmm. This is very, like, it's going well, but it's very mundane and blah now. Mm-hmm. So we need to kind of ramp this up. And right. So we took all those, and it's, I think she's at 16 staff now. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, which is pretty much just double and the business is going a lot differently better than it than it was and right. and whatever so it, it worked mm-hmm. with those fundamentals in place and and we basically dragged down all of the this is why we shouldn't and it was like well we're not going to grow if we don't take the risk this is the next risk to take so let's just no one's going to die you know what that's a great attitude to have especially when it comes to 
you know, to business. I, I it, it, similarly, when when we make decisions, we think about those those thoughts too. And yeah, I guess the the worst thing that can happen is you go bankrupt. But it'd be kind of fun to claw your way back. You know, well, it's, you it's a like, good story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a well, way better story. Yeah, you know, just like when you are like bringing yourself back up to zero. That's like yeah, it's yeah. like a beautiful like it's you just feel like it's so motivated. Well, it's value, right? It's like it's so and it's an adventure. You know, this life is full of twists and turns and ups and downs and I think like you gotta embrace it and um, like you know we were talking about what piece of advice you'd give to yourself you know I, I was like I'm such a conservative I'm a very very conservative person and because I am that conservative person I, I'm just I don't have that bra- like that boldness and bravery and I wish like I have to keep always pushing myself mm-hmm. to be bold and brave and to do these things um, and it almost comes from an outside source because like my inter- like my internal is like I have there's a dichotomy between like I want to push forward and uh, something outside is kind of telling me to push forward but then myself I just want to kind of like be Hold. safe yeah yeah but you know, I think um, yeah, I've learned that, um, like Jay was saying, with risk comes reward. Um, and I like to do like simple cost benefit analysis. And when I talk about cost benefit analysis, it sounds very fancy schmancy, but it's basically like a pros and cons list, like on both sides. And as long as I'm comfortable with the consequences, we go ahead. And so like, it's, it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. And I think, especially when you're in business and you're in entrepreneurship, it is it's weird. It, it can be very lonely. Oh yeah. And um, it's typically the people that want to be entrepreneurs are typically extroverted, right? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, those extroverted people, like, they need to get their thoughts out. They need to like bounce things off of people. And I've always found, like, um, by writing everything down. By and it's funny, like, the plans for all the, the companies and all the stuff that we do. Um, like they're all the back of these scrap pieces of paper that I just have filed. Like I haven't filed in my filing cabinet right here in the office. <laughs> it's just like goals and stuff like files. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, just yeah. like chuck in all my ideas and, and then I just kind of like, I, I probably spend like half an hour a day just like brainstorming um, in the morning, just thinking about, Oh, like what if we like, for example, this podcast started as like a brainstorm. Like, what kind of podcast would I, what do I enjoy listening to? Mm-hmm. I love long format. I think, you know, like Jay's podcast is really concise and so chock full of information. It's very poignant. It has a lot of great points. And you learn, like, every time you listen to his podcast, you're going to learn something um, about the market, about, you know, something. It's very poignant. Um, and I kind of wanted this podcast to kind of be like someone is like a fly on the wall and Jay and I are just like having a beer. If yeah. it wasn't like 10 o'clock, I got like someone gave me a bottle of whiskey and offering <laughs> Jay some of that, but it's like 10 o'clock in the morning. So a little different. <laughs> probably yeah. like not the right time to do that, to have a nip or something like that. But just kind of having like like a conversation about life and and um, yeah, I didn't know that Jay was a scuba diver, so like there you go. I'm You've just imagining something. him right now in his like speed undersized <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like pretending to be a mermaid. So. Oh great, we should go down sometime. Oh yeah, you know what? I I I'm gonna take you up on that. There's there's some things on my bucket list, and scuba diving is one of them. You yeah. can to get you. I, I think you can get like an entry level open water like certificate in a yeah. weekend. And that'll take you to 60 feet. Okay. And it's even that. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I think any, anyone and everyone should do that. I can't see, a, I don't know what it costs, 500 bucks, yeah. 300 bucks or something. Cool. And I don't know where in Vancouver anymore to do it. There's obviously yeah. places. But it's it's something. 
Okay. Yeah, it's cool. So just turning our focus back onto business and onto um, entrepreneurship. So if you were to – so two things. Well, let's talk about this. So what are some of the common myths before you got into business or into real estate that are just completely untrue that you want to, like, debunk? Um, that it's easy. I don't know. I see a lot of people <laughs> oh, doing yeah. doing it. Um, and that's, I think, an assumption based on how – I personally, I find the business really difficult. Right. So like I've been in it a decade and it's, I would say it's not as difficult just because it's not as scary because I understand how it works now, but it, that it's still very difficult mm-hmm. um, for me. That isn't going to be everyone's experience, but I think a lot of people think like they see this flashy crap that they think right. every realtor is typically when it comes to like physical stupid things that don't mean anything like yeah. the cars or or whatever and again like people watch tv and they they think things and i think a huge part of it is like why we have so many agents now mm-hmm. in the business and then if you look at the numbers and, and what they're making that's a reflection of reality but yeah. getting in i think perceived notion of like oh i just got to go and put a sign up and it's just going to sell and whatever because that may have been how the market has been for almost the last decade now as a seller's market, so it's been a certain environment out there. It's it's lent to the reality of thinking that it's easy. Right. And I think that's the biggest misconception Yeah, you there know, is. it's really, it, it is, you know, you think about, like, think about being an actor, and you see this, like, super, like, you watch the Oscars, and you're like, ah, the Oscars, yeah, that's what it is to be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of training. It's a lot of grinding. It's education. It's auditions, failures over and over again. Um, and and it's really, yeah, I kind of related to that. You know, um, I meet a lot of new agents that are getting started in the business that uh, potentially want to join our firm, Oakland. And um, they, yeah, they, you know, if I hear that, you know, it's for the money or it's the easy money and they want it. I immediately <laughs> like Turn. Uh, immediately say, you know what? I think that there's a better place for you. And some of those guys do really well, but, you know, not really the type of um, guy that I want to be walking with every single day and hanging out with. So, yeah, having that as a myth, you know, it, it isn't easy. It's, it's very time consuming. It's very confusing. Um, well, you think, too, like if you there's no like anyone needs to be. Obviously, it's 100% commission. Right. So you're not getting paid. I mean, maybe if you position yourself in a team, you may be. Um, but, like, you lose listings, obviously. I lose listings. There's people that I've gotten listings from that have been in the business for 20 years. Like, it's not, there's no, just because you know someone or you had a conversation or you presented to them doesn't mean you're going to get it. So there's no, right. nothing's confirmed and nothing's in stone. Mm-hmm. By way of the business coming your way, just because you get a listing doesn't mean it'll sell. Right. Da, 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 da. So it's, I think there's a lot of misconception on like, well, it's going to be great because I'm going to make money and it's on my own schedule. So mm-hmm. I don't have to do a nine to five anymore. I can work whenever I want and make all this money. And all I have to do is, I found that like, this is the loophole. Just get <laughs> licensed as a realtor and yeah. you're good to go. So I think that's the biggest misconception. Mm-hmm. Is that it's remotely, and you, you may have a different answer, but to me, I, I think the business is, it's tough. It hasn't yeah. gotten much easier. Right. You know, I think, you know, it is, there. there is a degree of difficulty. Um, I like to uh, 
simplify as much as I can. You know, I hate confusion, and I, you know, I, I really like to um, try to keep things organized and take mental energy away from the equation, and just kind of, um, you know, let uh, you know, you know, kind of let the just follow the plan type of thing. Let so it be I, more systematic. Yeah, I'm I'm very systematic, and I'm super routine, and I think like you know, I I like to create like little simple machines for everything, so and uh, create efficiencies and stuff like that. So I think that's always a fun part about it for, for me. And uh, yeah, just kind of seeing a lot of great people around me grow. I think that's been really fantastic. And you know, even uh, we, I've been working with Jay for uh, a year and a half now, and you know, I've seen him grow and he's growing his team and he's um, you know, growing his numbers of sales. It's just fantastic to see you know, that, that kind of growth. So Jay, what were some of the, so this is kind of our last question. So what were some of the um, either things externally or internally that happened that helped you to create a successful business? I think the a huge... Uh, it just sounds so goddamn cliche. The cliche is okay. It's all true. <laughs> Le leaving the last uh, environment that I was in and coming over here and being around people that just looked at the business differently. It was very, maybe because I started at the last company, I was with them for a decade. Um, I started and formed every opinion and, and experience of real estate with them. Um, it was turning, in, I wasn't looking at the business the right way. It was still very, obviously it's competitive, but I was looking, I was looking a lot more like lone wolf, dating back again to that arrogance, I think, with like mm -hmm. when I started. Uh, I, don't, I don't wanna join Tina, I wanna do it by myself. That cost me literally like years. I could, had I've done that differently at the start, I would be right. in a vastly, I believe, different place. And that's fine. We live and learn. That's hindsight. But like coming over to a, a being around. It's not even coming here. It's just. And it's not. I'm sure this company, but being in um, a company, in the company of people who looked at the business um, very optimistically, something as small as that for me really changed everything mm -hmm. it was very like like you said it's very lonely very kind of like i don't like to use the word we're talking about getting jaded about the business but it's very like you get told no a lot mm -hmm. and it's very stressful and all that so it's very easy to go down that kind of we'll say darker road right. of like i'm by myself and this is hard and why isn't this working or that working and i think coming into likewise if you went and joined a team from the start that was positive and progressive right um you would be surrounded by people that are just positively optimistic about the environment that they're in right like to do the business to be successful in the business i think um if anyone becomes successful they're very lucky and they've they've basically satisfied the we'll call it real estate needs of a variety a lot of people mm -hmm. and it's a numbers game like anything but the biggest thing for me was coming to an environment that was making the choice of I'm gonna go to a different unknown environment than I've ever known in this business and that was one that was very optimistic about the business what am I like I've got a, a, a partner now I never I was with the old company I was like oh, I'll partner in like 10 years mm -hmm. and then coming over here being very having those 
optimistic and progressive conversations about where I want my business to go, which were never had right. in the last one. And is that my fault? Is that the company's fault? It's not, no one's to blame. It just never happened. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to my mindset, I think, at the end of the day. But um, coming to an environment that was like, well, what do you want to do? What do you, what do you want this to look like? Was very, very eye-opening. Probably the biggest shift I've had in the business from the start. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really opened me up to now I've got a partner, which has allowed me to, again, start building the business in a different way and leverage different things, which is substantially more sustainable, in my opinion. Um, I don't want to be a sole agent till I'm gray and mm-hmm. old. Um, so putting that, starting to put those systems in place and bringing in other people and, and doing it that way and pulling the spotlight spotlight we'll call it um of just myself away and kind of shining it on two of us now mm-hmm. which again it all comes back to you're either looking at it at it kind of as, as a lone wolf which i think is the wrong thing to do right and kind of opening up your not only your expectations but your your thoughts of what it could could be yeah i think being a part of a community is, is that's um, and yeah. that's what it is being yeah. around yourself and key people Morgan that I spoke to before coming over here and again I'm definitely not trying to just pitch the brokerage but <laughs> okay. but it was it was a good job Jay <laughs> slipping him a 20 right now you can't see it <laughs> it was uh it was that was very like I'd never been asked like where do you want your business to be in two years mm-hmm. and to me I was like oh interesting I don't know let me actually think about that so that third party will say optimism of the future of the business was was a huge thing for me and that's really changed had I not moved I wouldn't be kind of where I am with a partner and where my head is within the business and all that sort of stuff now if if that didn't take place so that's yeah you know that the the community that surrounds you is so is so key um to one is to stay motivated and two is to have the right attitude and and, uh, a perspective on things and when you hang out with like I like to hang out with smart. Like Jay's a really smart guy. Like I like hanging out with smart guys. Like, and just like picking their brain about what they think about, um, you know, not only business stuff but also life stuff. Because you know, I have a lot of respect for Jay because he's a great business person, but he's also a great father and he's a great husband, and he's a great friend. Like everyone that I've ever spoke to about Jay has only said really fantastic things. So I'm, you know, I, I feel really lucky to be working with him side by side every day. And uh, I think on that sappy note, <laughs> we will end the pod. So, Jay, do you want to say what, uh, anything, last 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 words or anything like that? Or do you want to plug anything? No, I've plugged myself. Um, <laughs> that's good. Obviously, if anyone's interested in checking us out more, uh, again, YouTube or our podcast or, or uh, any of our social media that we mentioned before, um, yeah, we're just out here doing what we're trying to do and keep people informed and build a build a good business of satisfied buyers and sellers in the market here. Fantastic. So thank you, Jay, for being part of the podcast. Uh, I am going to ask everyone to like, rate, and subscribe this podcast, hopefully five out of five. And I love comments. I think I have four comments on iTunes right now. So I, nice. hopefully I have. I think ours has two. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get that up to ten. So if you're listening to this, I would encourage you to please uh, comment and uh, rate our uh, podcast. And, uh, you know, we're excited to bring you another episode next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Jay. Bye-bye.